Good morning, class. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit gets fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. There's a lot to learn about walking as the Christ walked and walking by the leading of the Spirit, and walking in faith and victory at every turn. Um, faith is not just understanding. Faith is a choice, and it's particularly tried when you don't understand. You can trust God when you don't have a clue what's going on. Y'all with me, class? It's a choice. It's a choice. And so the Lord knows you don't know everything. And he didn't expect you to know and understand everything. We're at the early stages of our development. But what he does expect and he does require is that we trust him. And that we respond in faith in every situation. And again, that's a choice. Something comes up, and let's say you got, you got a big bill that you weren't planning on getting, and you, you don't have the money, and uh, you don't know how you could get it in time. Well, you got a choice, right? You can get upset. You can freak out, right? You can cry and panic. But that's a choice you made. Are y'all with me? A choice to fear and doubt. Or, especially if you've been walking with the Lord for a while, and He has met your needs before, and He has taken care of you before, especially if He's done it for 833 times. <laughs> huh? In the past 15 years or whatever. You, you can and you should. Respond differently from unbelievers. Amen. Shouldn't you? Yes. What should you say? Well, <laughs> wasn't expecting this. But we've been here before. We've been here before. And the Lord is my provider. He has taken care of me. And he'll always take care of me. Right? My God supplies all my needs according to his riches in glory. By Christ Jesus, I've given, and it's, it's given back to me. It's coming back to me. You don't have to say all that, but you need to say something that's positive, yes. that denotes a choice to trust. Amen. Just something as simple as this. We will be fine. Yes. Huh? Amen. What do you mean? Instead of, you know, just freaking out, you, you say, no, it's going to be okay. God will, God will take care of us. Amen. Just something that's... You remember when uh, uh, Abraham was taking his son up to the mountain to, 
to offer up as a sacrifice. And his son said, well, we got the wood, we got the, we got the fire. Where's the sacrifice? You know, where's the lamb? Where's the goat? What did Abraham say? The Lord will provide. God will provide. Is that right? Now, that's a short phrase, but that's a powerful phrase. Come on, somebody say, the Lord will provide. Oh, come on, say it again. The Lord will provide. And you're not just saying that. You actually, when you say it, you are leaning on those words. You are, come on, can you, you understand what I'm saying? You're, you're, you're going, the Lord, the Lord will, provide. will provide. I'm counting on it. Is that right? Yes. And because I know he can, and I know it's his will, and I know he's faithful, I don't have to worry about this. I, I can cast the care of it over on him. Now I'm looking to see anything that I need to do, not in fear or panic, but I'm ready to obey, Right? I'm looking, I'm, I'm reaching, but I'm counting on him. Say it one more time. The Lord, the Lord will, will provide. provide. And that's a choice. Can you see that? It's a choice. Same thing with your body. You trust him with your finances. You trust him with your body. The Lord will take care of me. Amen. Has he ever brought you through anything before? Oh, yes. Helped you heal up? Yes. Helped you get over it? Yes. Well, why wouldn't he do it again? He did it the last 500 times, right? I mean, why, why wouldn't he do it again? Amen. Now, the enemy will always jump in and say, not this time. I ain't going to work this time. You ain't going to get it this way. Well, why did it work all these other times? And it won't work this time. He's a liar, yes. but he, always, he, he, he doesn't quit lying. He always keeps lying, telling the same lies, because sadly, it works too well on too many people. People tend to get to listening to it and believing it, but don't you believe those lies? Trust in the Lord your God. Lean on him, rely on him, trust in him, and you'll see that your trust was validated. You'll see that it was a good choice. Hallelujah. When he comes through for you again and again, and when he does, give him the glory. Amen. Don't take credit to yourself, right? Anybody ask you, how in the world did, I thought you were in a jam. You don't tell them, but you felt like you were too. You, you, you say, <laughs> How did you come out of that? You go, the Lord. The, the Lord. Your first two words need to be the, the Lord. Lord. How, how did you do that? The Lord. The Lord helped me. The Lord brought this in. The Lord showed me. The Lord. Praise God. Go with me, if you would, back to uh, Acts, the ninth chapter. And let's continue in our study of the healing of Aeneas. Back in verse uh, 32. Uh, the Amplified, as Peter went here and there among them all, he went down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. And there he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedfast for eight years and was paralyzed. After months and years of something, you get acclimated to that lifestyle, Right? So even after a year, much less five or eight, uh, there were things in place. He couldn't walk. He couldn't move himself. So he, there are people who help him. There are things that help him. And so this is his life now. 
he, he's paralyzed and, and bedfast, the scripture implies, bedfast. So uh, he did everything in bed. He ate in bed. He, he lived in bed. And he can't go and do like able-bodied people can. And uh, go with me to Psalm 41, and I want you to notice, because the scripture has a number of things to say about this. I want you to note that um, the command of the, the Holy Spirit through Peter was Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you, Jesus Christ makes you whole, get up and what? Make your bed. Why make your bed? Why would that be a factor? Why is why would that be part? Is that necessary? It is. More than you might think. And this is not an isolated instance. Uh, this sounds, rise, take up your bed, and go home. You ever heard that before? <laughs> that sounds exactly like Jesus. Because that's what Jesus said and did. More than once. In the accounts we've already studied back in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And he used the same terminology. That's where Peter got it. Take up your bed. What's with the bed? <laughs> right, I mean, why? What's that got to do with getting healed? Take up your bed. Now, bed, this wasn't a four-poster. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a lot to ask. Somebody's been bed fast for eight years to tote a four-poster out of there. But <laughs> uh, no, it was most likely a mat or some type of a mattress, but not like we think big foam spring mattress. No, that came later. But some kind of a mat or some kind of thin stuffed. Uh, mattress, Matt, why do you, do you, did he need to be specific and say, get up, and that's not all, get that mat and make that up. Well, making your bed would be rolling it up or folding it up, uh, making it more portable and putting it on your shoulder or your back or something or in your arms. In, in Psalm 41, notice this. Psalm 41, and I'm going to read this out of the Amplified as well. Psalm 41.1. It says, uh, Blessed is he who considers the weak and the poor. The Lord will deliver him in the time of evil and trouble. Now whether folks believe it or not, everything in creation operates on the principle of sowing and reaping. Everything. And when you help people out who are in need, you're sowing a good seed for your future. Amen. That's right. And for one thing, the proverb says, if you have mercy on the poor, you won't lack. Did you hear that? Yes. Helping people in need is prevention from you getting in need. 
Oh, class, did you hear that or not? I'm quoting scripture. And it's not like you're buying your way into anything. And it's not that you deserve it or have earned it. That's not the case. But how does God deal with human beings in this planet? There are billions of us. And if he's going to have a right to do something for you that he hasn't done for all the other billions of people, it'll have to be because you were willing to do something they weren't willing to do. Come on, can you see that? You, you responded to him. You cooperated with him and allowed him to do this in your life. So verse 2 goes on to say, the Lord will protect him and keep him alive. He shall be called blessed in the land and you will not deliver him to the will of his enemies. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now notice the next verse. The Lord will sustain, refresh, and strengthen him on his bed of languishing, and all his bed, you, Lord, will turn and change and transform in his illness. You'll turn his bed. Take up your bed, and we'll, we'll look at this as we go, but... Uh, it's a play on the words even. And the phrase we'll look at at some point is taking captivity captive. <laughs> you ever heard that phrase? Yes. Uh, and turning captivity. What does that mean? Well, look at it like this. Rise. Take up your bed. Go to your house. Well, he came from the house on the bed. Now the bed is going back to the house on him. <laughs> Something got turned around. Is that right? <laughs> he, he was reliant and dependent on somebody else to even carry the bed or help get to bed there, now he's no longer reliant, no longer dependent. And the, the Lord doesn't want him going, uh, you know, yeah, you know, you take the bed. No, you don't need anybody helping you with the bed anymore. Oh, come on, now you're seeing it, class, huh? Right? Uh-uh. No, you carry your own bed. I know... Uh, Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr., my father in the faith, who's in heaven now, he gives his testimony about how that he was born uh, prematurely way back, uh, was 1917 or something, before they had all the incubators and all those things. Born at home, not even in a hospital. And he was so premature and so undeveloped that they went to bury him uh, the little, you know, premature infant uh, on the property, and whoever was burying him said they detected a little, a little movement, and they thought, well, uh oh, he, you know, maybe, maybe it is still. They said uh, he he was so premature that he didn't look fully human and fully formed, and so this was something that they were just going to dispose of and. 
And so they brought him back and, and nursed and nursed and, and tenderly helped, and, and he lived. But as he grew into a boy, they realized he had problems. Uh, he, and they, the doctors, they took him to some outstanding hospitals and stuff, and they said uh, he wasn't fully developed on the inside. And he had an incurable blood disease. His heart wasn't fully developed and working right. And so they said nobody in his condition had ever lived past age 16. And sure enough, when he got within a few months of that age, he became totally bedfast and was dying. And I won't go into all of it, but the Lord healed him. Instead of him dying, he healed him, raised him up. But he said he was... uh, at that point, he's 16 and 17 years old, but he was six foot tall and weighed less than 100 pounds. So he's, he's like a walking skeleton. And so he said when, when the Lord healed him that morning in his bedroom and he walked into the kitchen where they were having breakfast and he said his granddad put his utensils down and said, is the dead raised? Is Lazarus raised from the grave? That's how amazing it was to everybody. And he was. And he sat down and had breakfast with them. But he said, uh, being so thin, he was weak. And much exertion would just leave him, you know, panting for breath and and weak. And so uh, he, he immediately went back to school. But he was so frail looking that it made his teachers uncomfortable, (laughs) him being in the class, because they thought, well, you know, he's liable to fall out of the chair dead at any moment. He looked like that. And so they talked to the principal, and the principal called him in and and said, look, uh, you know, we, we heard about, you know, how you've recovered and raised up, and we're, we're glad, but... You know, we just want you to know that uh, uh, the, the normal rules don't apply to you. That uh, if you feel tired after a first hour class and they had to take a stair up to the next one, he said, uh, you don't have to go to that class if you don't feel like you're up for it. And if you feel like you need to get some water or something, you don't have to ask anybody. Just get up and get it. Or if you just want to go home. And you think, I, I need to rest the rest of the day. Um, you, you can do that. And Brother Hagin said they didn't realize it, but they made it really easy for him to lose his healing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. right. Class, are y'all away? Yes. They made it really easy for him to lose his healing. You might say, why, why would that be? Well, why say get up and get your bed too? Hmm? Because after eight years of living in bed, right, being completely locked into the bed, you know, even miraculously being healed, uh, he hadn't used all these muscles for eight years. Is that right? I mean, I'd, I don't know exactly what his status was, but. It, it would be, I shouldn't say could, it would be a big temptation 
after you stand up for a few minutes and go, praise God, praise God, that you look down and go, you know, I think I'm just going to lay back down. No. Come on, are y'all with me or not? Huh? It'd be too easy to slide right back into that. And next thing you know, you're staying there more and more and more. That's how you lose a miracle. Now, there are people that say, I just don't believe that now. I believe if God does something, you couldn't lose it. And what's that based on? Huh? Just an idea you decided to have? No. Remember Jesus said when he ministered to that man at the five porches of sick folk, and he went and ministered to him, and he was raised up, and later on he found him. One of the things he told him, he said, don't sin anymore, lest a worse thing come on you. Is he saying he could get back in that same shape or even worse? The Lord told him that. Right? So don't be believing just goofy things with no scripture for it. No. Just like you can receive a healing and lay hold of it, you can also turn loose of it. And if you've gotten accustomed to a lifestyle of dependency, you got to watch about getting lazy, sliding back into it. And you cannot use a sickness for advantage and get rid of it. Y'all understand? If you use it, you're going to keep it. It's not going anywhere. You can't use it for self-pity, for attention, to get out of school, to get out of work. Even young ones and little ones, you know, sometimes little ones will try to say, you know, yeah, I'm sick. I can't go to school, especially on test day. If they are and you need to do something with them, okay, but you need to discern if they really are. If they're not, that's a bad habit. Did you hear? Bad habit. Start using. I mean, there's all kind of adults going to call in sick today. Right? Pretend they got something wrong because they want a day off. You never want to use the curse. You never want to use something of your enemy as some kind of temporary advantage. If you, need, if you want off, ask off. But don't play sick. If you are sick, okay. Deal with it the way you feel like that you should. But don't use it or you'll never lose it. It'll stay with you from now on. So Brother Hagin said they didn't realize it, but they made it really easy for him to slip back into not going to school, you know, skipping class, just stay in bed, right? You start doing that, you're going to be in there more and more. You can wind up right back where you were or worse. And so he said, There were times, especially later in the day, during the school day, you know, like after lunch or something, he would feel so tired and the bell would ring and those words would come back to him, Mr. So-and-so who was the principal, you don't even have to tell anybody. You don't have to ask permission. Just don't go. Just just go home. And and he he said something and anyone would say, "Uh uh-uh, don't you do it. Get up. (laughs) Get up. 
hold on to the rail <laughs> and get, get to that next class. Huh? And because he did that, he got better and better. He started putting on weight. He got stronger and stronger. Hallelujah. And was in the ministry for 60 something years. Hallelujah. Oh, somebody say praise God. I know uh, one of the first uh, mission trips I went on outside the country, I went to uh, Quetzaltenango, Guatemala, up in the mountains there. And we had crusades and we also built a wood frame church. And I was part of a large group. And um, they cautioned us uh, not to drink the water there. And because, uh, uh, you know, every place is different and it's got its own microbes and bacteria and that stuff and some you're used to some you're not so they said just drink bottled water and so we all agreed yeah yeah that's right and so um, uh, I don't know there's a bunch of us large group I think it was like I don't know, 15 or something of us and 20 and uh, so I got up that next morning and getting ready to go and I brushed my teeth over the sink and and used the water and rinsed my mouth out with the water. And as I'm going, I thought, oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I just remembered, you know. And um, so we went about and, and, and did some stuff that day. And, um, and then a few hours after that, the, the, when we got to wake up the next morning, oh, man, my stomach felt like World War III was getting ready to happen. I mean, <laughs> oh, I felt something is not right, man. Uh, and, and it wasn't just me. It was two-thirds of the group. Couldn't get out of bed. Couldn't leave the, the house. And so uh, I laid there, and the thought came to me, you better just go back to bed, you know. And then another thought came. I think it was the Holy Spirit. He said, no, you lay down. You're going to be here for the rest of the trip. Did you hear that? Yes. You got to watch what you yield to. You got to watch what you give into. And so, man, I did not feel like it, but I got up, put one foot in front of the other. I got dressed and we rode down this rough, rough road up into the mountains and I could feel every bump <laughs> and every sway of the truck. But we got out and there was nice and brisk and the sun came out and it started warming up a little bit and and in about three or four hours, I realized I hadn't even thought about that in the last three hours. And I never had one symptom or one problem for the next two weeks, whatever we did there. And the rest of the crew stayed in the room the whole time. They were sick. Now, I don't say the whole rest of the crew, but that was like two thirds of the crew. They stayed there only in time to go back home. Well, it's a matter of what you yield to, what you give into. So when the Lord says, get up and get that bed too. <laughs> We're not laying back down on that bed right now. Get up, put the bed on you. You take the, the bed's been carrying you around, but that has changed. That has changed. Now you're carrying the bed around. It has turned. He turned all his bed in his sickness. Can you say Amen. And our time's up. Said out loud, I live by faith. I walk by faith. I overcome this world by faith. I'm strong in faith, giving glory to God. 
That's it for today, but there's a lot more to see. Come back with us next time here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390. 